We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, sponsored by Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Go visit the brewery. Great vibes down there. Or you can order online at cooperagebrewing.com. They will overnight beer to you anywhere in the state of California, ages 21 and up only. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman, and we're going to preview this 49ers-Falcons game. We, of course, have the Cooperage six-pack. I'm coming off a big win. That's big for me. But looking to even the score in the in the, in the the 2022 Cooperage six-pack bit that we still haven't flushed out. We'll talk about all that. And I've got a couple concerns going into this week, specifically injury-related. Let's dive in. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. I don't think the 49ers are going to lose on Sunday. But. Well, you don't think they're going to win? I have some concerns. In the same way that like, hey, I'm going to go run a couple miles. I think I can do it. But I have some concerns. <laughs> My feet going to hurt tomorrow? Maybe. No. Um, dude, I got. Nah, never mind. Um. I don't want it. The, Fal- the Falcons are weird because they're not good, but they're definitely not like a disaster. And they're, they're two and three. They've lost their three games by a combined 11 points. Their biggest loss was six points last week on the road at Tampa Bay in a game that had Grady Jarrett not gotten flagged for a pretty bad roughing the passer call. They might have had a chance to win. That said, um, the 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 reason I have a concern is that Atlanta, even with Cordero Patterson being out, has still been able to run the ball effectively. Their head coach is Arthur Smith, who is the Titans offensive coordinator uh, during a couple of Derrick Henry's best years um, and, and more specifically Ryan Tannehill's best years. Marcus Mariota, their quarterback, can move. Um, Tyler Algiers has stepped in and done a nice job filling in with Cordero Patterson out. And for the Niners, with their injury issues on the defensive line, I think their defensive line can still play, <laughs> even their even their backups for the most part. But I wonder if they can sustain that for four quarters, or will we eventually see the dam break where Atlanta is just controlling the ball on the ground, and it turns into one of those games where the Niners lose twenty to seventeen. To me, like it's one of those games where going into it in order to prognosticate, you have to ask yourself a question. It's pretty basic. How much do you trust the 49ers through five games? Right. And you could say, well, given their history, given they went to the NFC title game last year, given they went to the Super Bowl three years ago, given 
when they've been healthy, they've been a pretty tough team to beat. You could say, okay, like they should roll. Like we, like we would expect the 49ers typically to roll if they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFC, which we think they probably should be, or at least if they do stay healthy and, and play to their capabilities, they should be in that realm. But this team lost to Chicago and Denver on the road. Right. And yeah, they beat Carolina, but Carolina was very clearly in a bad way and fired their coach hours after losing to the 49ers. So, right. I'm confident that the 49ers will win, but I don't fully trust this team to stay out of its own way. Um, And, you know, I don't fully trust this team not to make mistakes, not to have a game like Chicago where the defense is committing penalties that's allowing Mm -hmm. a mediocre defense to stay on the field. Right. I don't fully trust Jimmy Garoppolo to have another game where he doesn't turn the ball over. Right. For all the reasons we've talked about in the other episodes this week, it's like this the number one thing still with Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be takeaways because those ultimately get in the way of the 49ers winning games when he starts more than anything else. Because yeah. he can be productive enough within the parameters of Kyle Shanahan's offense and with all the weapons that they have that if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to put up enough points and play to their defense to where they're just going to be a really tough team to beat. But they allow teams to hang in there mm-hmm. because of turnovers and sometimes key penalties defensively and even key penalties offensively, right? Yeah. Do we trust the offensive line not to... There's a second half and they're up by four points and it's a fourth down and somebody moves early, right? Like, do right. we trust everybody along the offensive line to play a clean game from that perspective? Well... And that's that's kind of the question, right? Like, is this, and I, I think this this is just a, a different way of stating your point, but this is the way I've been kind of thinking about it. Are they the team that lost to Denver and Chicago? Or are they the team that beat the Rams and housed the Carolina Panthers? Like the, those are two because they're two different teams. It's not like they played super well against the Bears and just lost. Like no, they played horribly. And same thing against the Broncos. My in my head, I think they're past that. I think they've knocked off some of that rust. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is is playing much better now than he did in Week Three and even in Week Four. But at the same time, with all these injuries especially on the defensive line against a team that can run the ball. It's like, man, that's just where something weird happens and the Falcons just possess the ball for 40 minutes and the Niners, the Falcons don't play a ton of defense. Their run defense is not good. And their run defense is like orange on PFF. (laughs) (laughs) No, but their run defense isn't good. They're giving up like over four and a half yards of carry. But to your point, like special teams and the Niners are 29th in DVOA on special teams. The Falcons are like seventh. They've had two field goal blocks already. Yeah, that's very bad. Are they going to get a field goal blocked? Are they going to fumble a punt? Or I mean, there's just in games like this where the Niners are clearly the better team, but I don't think so much better that they're going to go win 37 to 15. I, I can't, I don't know. And that's the thing. Is it is it this year's Denver and Chicago games? Or is it just we've seen the Niners lose this type of game before? I generally think with this team, given that at training camp, so rarely in any given practice do you have all the starters playing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they, the, the 49ers rest so many guys throughout training camp and load manage and all, and all of those things that it's not surprising that even last year they got off to a slow start to the regular season. Even, you know, 2020, they got off to a slow start. They lost to Arizona at home, right, in that weird game. Um, And you could even make a case in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, they started off that season kind of sluggishly, particularly offensively in Tampa. Like, that wasn't a great game for them, and they won largely because they got two pick sixes. There's an element with the 49ers and also throughout the entire league that like 
September and October can sometimes feel like extensions of the preseason, largely because coaches don't play these guys in the preseason. And and I would never advocate for playing guys more in the preseason. I would always advocate for getting rid of the preseason altogether because it's a big old waste of time. But there is an element of coaches easing into the year and players easing into the year as they get their footing because it is a long season. Um, and the 49ers, the goal for Kyle Shanahan is always to be playing your best football in November and December. And I think when the 49ers have had their playoff runs, that's that's been a pretty notable characteristic is that they, they're they're better week 15, 16, 17 than week one, two and three. Right. And so we saw that when they started three and five last year, like they had some issues personnel wise, particularly at cornerback. And you had Jimmy Garoppolo throwing interceptions and things like that. But there's also just an element of like, well, the run blocking is not going to be as crisp, mm-hmm. right? The offensive line isn't going to be as locked in and, and you know, they might be prone to holding penalties or, you know, they're illegal formation things that are just about guys lining up and mistakes that they make early in the season that they don't necessarily make later in the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for me this week in particular with the defensive line being so banged up and namely Nick Bosa, you know, he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. And if I were the 49ers, there's no way I would trot him out there in a game a week before you play Kansas City played on turf. Like you got to have the long haul in mind and you should be able to beat the Falcons without Nick Bosa. But when you don't have Nick Bosa, in addition to not having Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw mm-hmm. and Samson Ebukam dealing with Achilles soreness or whatever the Achilles discomfort however the 49ers are talking about it those are your four starting defensive linemen on what might be the best defensive line in the league and yeah the 49ers still have depth you like you know Charles Amenahu as as a fifth guy is fine Mm -hmm. like Kevin Givens as a third defensive tackle is fine but now the way the 49ers typically win is by dominating up front with their defensive line and they're going to have to do that with their second unit. And so the depth is key, right? Like Drake Jackson, maybe this is an, op- an opportunity for him to play 50 snaps and see how he handles that. But these are kind of unknown things. And when the strength of your team is injured, which the Niners defensive line looks like it will be for Sunday, then that shrinks your margin for error and really increases the focus on all the other mistakes that you might make that that defensive line potentially isn't going to make up for. Right. So like Ray Ray McLeod can't like fumble a punt and get bailed out by the defensive line sacking Marcus Mariota and taking him out of field goal range in what could be a one score game. Right. That that, that could, that could happen. That outcome is not off the table, but right. Not nearly as good about it. Right. Like Nick Bosa is one of the two or three best defensive players in the NFL right now. Full stop. Yes. Right. And so yes. it becomes a lot harder to just dominate a game when that's the way you're used to winning. Mm-hmm. So now you just have to tighten things up elsewhere and you can't allow a kickoff to midfield, let alone two in a row. Right. You can't right. allow the Falcons to block a punt. You can't allow, you know, you, you can't turn the ball over like mm-hmm. so turning the ball over is always important. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, it's even more important this week because your defense isn't the type of unit that it typically has been when Nick Bosa's out there. And this is all assuming Nick Bosa doesn't play. I wouldn't play him, and I would think the 49ers are not going to play him. I really, I, could, I can't fathom they would, especially so, on turf again. Right. So if the Niners play a clean game, they should roll like they did in Carolina, which <laughs> was mostly a clean game, save for the special team stuff and save for George Kittle's fumble. But at this point, given it's still you know the second week in October, it's hard to fully trust that they're going to play a clean game, which is, to your point, what makes this one maybe a little bit more interesting than we would expect just on paper, given what we know about both these teams and what the point spread is, which is, I think, five and a half. So Herm Edwards once said, uh, we, we had him on the on the radio show I produce, and he was talking about backups. And uh, I produced a show at 95.7 of the game in San Francisco. I don't know if I've ever brought it up on the pod, but... He said he was talking about backups and he's like, your backups are backups for a reason. And they might be fine for 15 snaps or 20 snaps, but you will start running into issues when they're playing 50 or 60 or 70 snaps. 
and you can hide one, you might be able to hide two. But if they're if they're rolling out four, three or four backup defensive linemen, and then rotating in uh, players who are rotating in more players that that don't typically play as much, you're going to start to run into problems. And I, I've seen this sentiment that the Niners' backup defensive line would would be a starting caliber defensive line for a lot of teams. And it's like, no, no, that's, that's not correct. And that's not a slight on those guys. That's just not their role. And could they each individually, let me, could Charles Omenahu as an individual start on a lot of defensive lines in the NFL? Yes. But when could Drake Jackson, maybe could Kevin Givens, maybe, the point is, is how good is that defensive line if it's your starting group? Well, right. And what does the talent look like around them? If it's right. a, if it's a, if it's a defensive line with TJ Watt and DeForest Buckner and and uh, Chandler Jones, then yeah, Kevin Givens is going to be fine. But, you know, but if it's four of those guys next to each other, you could absolutely start to run into problems, especially against an offense that's going to be really creative. They're good with play action. They have a mobile quarterback. I think the Niners have plenty, plenty of talent on their defense to to slow the Falcons down. But like I said, this is this comes from a place of man. I don't if I don't know if they're just going to walk in and 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 roll. That said, I wonder <laughs> do the injuries refocus them in a way that they're not just going to go okay, helmets on the field, let's go play the Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I I think ultimately, like we're going to learn a lot about Nick Bosa's value to the defense if he doesn't play this week, because I think one of the things that, you know, obviously the pass rush numbers are insane, right? Like leading the league in sacks and pressures. um, Like we know how good he is as a pass rusher, perhaps the best guy in the league. He's also an elite run defender, right? Mm -hmm. And in the wide nine specifically, when they are in that alignment, you have to be really, really good on the edges to set those edges and flow and and make sure the plays flow back inside to where the linebackers are to allow Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw to clean up those plays. Right. We don't know that Drake Jackson can handle being on the field for 50 snaps and them running at him every play. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like the, the Falcons are a pretty good running team. They're not going to have Cordero Patterson, but they're still a pretty good running team. And I would imagine if I was, you know, if I was their coaching staff and I knew that Nick Bosa wasn't going to play, I'm running right at Drake Jackson or Charles Menhu. Mm-hmm. And I'm forcing them to, to set the edge until they they prove to me that they can. And that's ultimately one of the biggest questions, because to me, like 
you know, we kind of saw it and like, I don't want to be like read too much in the preseason guy, but like when the Niners defense against Houston could not stop the run, it really made them kind of toothless. And the first thing that D'Amico Ryan says, and I know this goes against all of the analytics and all the football stuff and like, yeah, the running game doesn't really matter. Well, the first thing D'Amico Ryan says when you ask him just about defense philosophically is we have to stop the run. Yes. Because if you're an NFL team and you can't stop the run, then you're not going to be able to stop anything because teams will just run down your throat. And then when you focus on trying to stop the run play action, super effective, and you're just not going to, it's not going to work for you at all. And that's basically what the Niners defense was in 2016 when it was the worst defense in the league. They couldn't stop the run to save their lives. Right. This year, the 49ers defense is the best run defense in the league in large part because you have a dominant defensive front and that allows them to defend everything else at a high level because you're essentially taking the run away and forcing a team to play one dimensionally. And so if, if Drake Jackson or Charles Amenahu or Kevin Givens or whoever, if those guys aren't stopping the run, then that's going to be a way for the Falcons defense to maybe stay on the field and dictate terms of the game in a way that the Niners defense isn't used to allowing offenses to do because they've been so dominant against the run in large part because they've had Nick Bosa playing on the edge and and their defensive line has been a lot better with him, obviously than without him. A good, a good, a good example or a good illustration of what you're talking about is how good the Niners run game was in 2019 and how far they got with it. They made it so virtually every defense couldn't stop the run. And they were the second highest scoring team in the league. That said, just to kind of piggyback of what you were saying, I'm fascinated to see what this game looks like from Jimmy Garoppolo. Because he was good against the Panthers in a way that he's not typically good. He was good under pressure, really good on non-play action. Good in the red zone. Very good in the red zone. Throw to Debo, I think, was underrated. Like it needed to be up high, and he got it there. Anyways, I'm interested to see this week if Shanahan rides rides with Garoppolo again because Garoppolo threw it 30 times in a game. The Niners won 37 to 15. So typically, in the in the Shanahan era, when they win a game by that many, you're looking at 20, 22, 23 pass attempts. They put it in the air 30 times. So I'm I'm wondering if they go to that game plan again a little bit. Like I said, the Falcons don't don't stop the run particularly well, but maybe some first down throws, maybe some some shot plays like we saw uh, against Carolina. And maybe this is kind of the Shanahan evolution or while teams are loading up to stop the run against him, he's going great and, and he's going to let Jimmy Garoppolo try and make some plays. And let Jimmy Cook. Let Jimmy Cook, bro. Um, and I think it might wind up being necessary. Could there's there's a there's a really easy line to draw where the Falcons get the opening kickoff and they go down and score. And then the Niners throw an interception or fumble the kickoff or didn't they fumble the kickoff against the Falcons last year? Um, And all of a sudden the Falcons are up 10, nothing or 14, nothing super early. And now it's like, all right, Garoppolo has got to go play. I could totally see it being a game like that. It's a 10 a.m. Start. I know they've been staying on the East coast, but it's a 10 a.m. Pacific start. They got the chiefs next week. They're super banged up. I I'm, I don't know. They have played they have played well in the second game of these back to back. Very well. That's that's true. That is something that I've overlooked. Yeah, and it it might be a game like what one of the things that really stood out about the 2019 season and I'm thinking about the New Orleans game specifically, which also happened to be a game which was the second one of a long stay mm-hmm. uh, on the East Coast after Baltimore. Yeah, after Baltimore. It was in Bradenton, Florida. Um <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful scenic Bradenton. I was going to say, you say it sounded like you said that with reverence. No, I, I like Bradenton. <laughs> it was nice. There was a brewery at the first floor of my hotel, which was great. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but 
in that Saints game, the Niners defense could not get any stops. Right. Like they got a stop. Nick Bosa like made a had a tackle for loss like while he was being held on like a pitch so play yeah. on a third down. It was like their first stop of the game. And that stop really felt felt like it changed the momentum of the entire game. But that was a game, and Kyle Shanahan talked about it afterwards, where it was like we knew we were gonna have to score a ton of points. Because even with our defense being one of the best in the league as it was that season, we needed to pull out all the stops. That was the um, Emmanuel Sanders pass to Raheem Mostert game. Yep. Like Jimmy Garoppolo aired it out for Emmanuel Sanders. I think he had like an 80-yard touchdown or whatever it was. My favorite stat line of that game was Kendrick Bourne, three catches for 18 yards, and he had two touchdowns. And all of his catches went for six yards and either a first down or a touchdown. Yeah, I think his other catch, they were all like on third down or something. It was yeah. like all of his catches were either first third down conversions or touchdowns or both. Um, But the point is, is that they won that game because the offense was so explosive. And I'm not saying I'm not at all saying I'm expecting the Falcons to put up points like the Saints did in that game. But it was a game where as good as the Niners defense was, they had to win offensively. Mm -hmm. And given all the injuries to the defensive line right now, that might be what has to happen against the Falcons where it's just like, yeah, our defense isn't going to be the best in the league. So we're going to go, we're going to have to score 30 points on our own to win, Mm -hmm. which isn't crazy given the injuries. And and particularly now, like we don't know what the cornerback situation is going to look like with Emmanuel Mosley out for the first time. Right. So it could be that, you know, I don't know if the Falcons really have a receiver to, you know, it's not like they have Julio Jones that they could just line up on whatever side of the field, Ambry Thomas or um, Sam Womack or Diamador Lenore is on. But like, you know, that's Drake, Drake London. Hey, nice, dude. Yeah, Drake London, potentially Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Drake um, London, dark green grade right now. Your thoughts? You'd love to get it to maybe like a forest green, but I think for a rookie to be to be like flush in the green mm-hmm. is is about where you'd want it to be. They also have a tight end in the green. Do you know who it is? It's not Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's a lighter shade of green than this tight end. Kyle Pitts just cost me so much money in my fantasy auction and just not doing a whole lot. You're out on Kyle Pitts? I'm not out. I'm just frustrated. Are you throwing the bus label on him? No. I hate he can do some stuff. <laughs> just throw him the ball. I don't get it. <laughs> Um, um, no, my, but it might, it might be a game Michael where it is the name we're looking for. Okay. Oh, my Cole, your Cole, our Cole, our Cole, mm-hmm. Pruitt, former 49ers legend. Yes. Well, um, 49ers legend, former 49. Right. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep, keep making your point. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Like it might be a game where you need a couple touchdowns from Brandon Ayuk, and maybe you get a Ross Dwelly touchdown or, you know, like some weird stuff happens where you get touchdowns from unknown places or unexpected places. And you just need Jimmy Garoppolo to ball out in a way that you aren't really accustomed to seeing him do. But like, that's ultimately what makes a team elite versus just like pretty good is like, all right, you're in this circumstance where your defense isn't going to be typically what it does or what it was. Can your offense pick up the slack and can you win a different style game than what you're used to? And that might be how this game goes. I want to grab the Brandon Ayuk thing you said for a second. Did you read the piece I wrote about this? I didn't. Did you catch that one? No. How full was your link? Dude, Did you provide full, a full link? Or so just a link? damn full. You have no idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you can just Maybe write full link on the internet, guys. You don't have to it. say, here's a full link to the story. You can say, here's a link to the full story. Because usually it's like tweet that has some like little bit from the story. And then you put the link. Link to full story. But full link? Like, yeah, of course it is. If you put a partial link, it would not work. Well, even like no one's posting half a story either. This one's like, here's half the story behind this link. I enjoy it. I chuckle every time I see it because it'll be like sometimes occasionally just a sports thing. This is sports, politics, whatever. Occasionally it'll be like all caps read and a link. And it's like, you know, most of the time I feel like the link speaks for itself. (laughs) You know, like Anyway, it's ah, just I thought a I was going to listen. Thing. Damn. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, 
it's so demanding read fine god uh <laughs> no um brandon Ayuk. a i i went into this story because it was like it feels like every time he touches the ball he's about to house it and i went in to this story going hey slow start last year slow start this year well slow start this year based on how he finished last year he's blowing away his production from the first five weeks last season. So it's not that bad, but it still feels like a breakout game is coming. And I started diving into the metrics and, and ESPN has these, were they advanced metrics or just regular metrics? Oh no. Advanced is F advanced. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Super advanced metrics. So yeah, even more than like CPOE. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. No. So, so ESPN, what they did is they took tracking data. And basically tracked how good a receiver is doing when, even when they don't have the ball in their hands. Like, take take quarterback play out of the equation. And Brandon Ayuk was like the sixth-rated wide receiver overall in the league based on these metrics of how much yak do they create, how open are they. There's like an open score. And Brandon Ayuk is open, and this tracks with the eye test. He's open a lot. And I think it's just a matter of getting him the ball. And the fact that Kyle Shanahan, in his press conference on Wednesday, talked about Brandon Ayuk's been playing his ass off, and he's been playing really well, and production doesn't always tell the story. I I think in the same way that they kind of forced the ball to George Kittle a little bit against Carolina. I don't want to say forced, but made a concerted effort to get him the ball against Carolina. I think we might see that with Brandon Ayuk at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, like Shanahan's going to give with Garoppolo or Garoppolo is going to recognize like this dude's just open all the time. Throw him the, throw him the freaking football dog. Like <laughs> just get, get it to number 11. And it, it feels like one of those like nine catch 150 yard, two touchdown games is coming from Ayuk. And maybe it's this week, but it feels like it's, it feels like it's coming. Cause he's, he has been, he has been good when he has got the ball. Yeah, and when you're playing a defense that's not great like the Falcons, like at least you might have an opportunity to take a little bit more time when it comes to allowing plays to develop and, you know, like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo can take a five or seven step drop. Right? Because so maybe. often it's like <laughs> got to get the ball out in two and a half seconds or or less and then you're not you're not making your third progression, you're you're looking at Debo or Kittle and then eventually, you know, somebody like Ayuk, who is getting open, just isn't part of the design progression early on. And then he's like the third or fourth guy. But because you have to get the ball out so quickly, you're not looking his way. The Falcons' best pass rusher is Grady Jarrett, who terrorized them in 2019. In that game they lost to Atlanta, Grady Jarrett was excellent in that game. Mike Person was banged up, I believe. Ben Garland, backup center, starting yes. for the first time because Weston Richburg got hurt the previous week in New Orleans. Yep, that's correct. Context and nuance, I'm all about it. You you sure are. If there's one thing I know about you, it's that you love context and you adore nuance. So, it's like your uncle got remarried. Nuance. <laughs> nuance. Nuance. That's bad, but I'm going to workshop it. There's a joke there. Anyways, okay. All right. yeah, great, Grady Jarrett, interior lineman, is the, is their best 20, <laughs> 20 pressures as an interior lineman this year. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so many. Yeah. Um, but after that, like, there's no, there's, there's, there are two edge guys have a combined 20, 20 pressures and four sacks, three sacks. Math is hard. So, I think you're right. If if there's a particular play where the Niners have Grady Jarrett blocked up, like I think Garoppolo is going to have some time to sit and survey and um, play in a way that he he doesn't typically get to. Yeah, I think it's a fair a fair criticism of Kyle Shanahan. We mentioned this before. I don't want to harp on it too much, but like make it doesn't. Your first two reads don't always have to be George Kittle and. Um, Debo, yeah. Juwan Jennings had a really nice run after catch last week. Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, they 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 have more than two playmakers. Yeah, they could they could capitalize on Brandon Ayuk's ability to get open by 
moving him up a spot or two in some of the progressions. Really good out of the slot. Maybe play him out of the slot more. I don't know. Maybe give him some pop passes. See if he can't. Just add to those yak numbers. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the yak bros and pop passes. You love you. That's your favorite play in football. I. It's a great play. It's a great running play. It's really cool. <laughs> it's a really awesome, creative way to accumulate rushing yards that are somehow counted as passes. But whatever. Yak bros. Yards after catch. I love that this is. I love that you've chosen this hill to die on. It's so funny. Debo Samuel not good at yak per Chris Biederman. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Shanahan installs these with his running plays. So you know, whatever. What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> Super angry. I mean, it's just funny. It's like anyway. I don't. I don't, I don't want to see. A bunch of stories about how amazing these guys are after with yards after the catch when half of them are coming on running plays. That's all. That's it, unfair it's... though. That's unfair though. How many of those? How many of those little pot? Those little shovel pass things have they have they got? Well, no, not this year. I'm just talking in general because there, there was a thing where it was like Debo, you know, in 20. When was it? Was it was it last year? It was like, and I'm not trying to say Debo's not really good after the catch. Obviously, he's one of the best in the league, maybe the best guy in the league. But it was like, wow, there was a point where Debo had like 200 more yards after the catch than the next guy. And a substantial amount of those yards came on running plays. And it's like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like, we're kind of lying to the general populace when we're writing that Debo is so much better yards after the catch wise than these than these other guys. When a lot of these should just be rushing yards. That's my only war. The war on facts continues. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> big, big big advanced metrics is out to lie to it to everybody <laughs> Debo Samuel's actually bad and let me tell you why my friend right right yeah that's that's totally what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I the 49ers should win they should definitely win and I'm often in wrong so it wouldn't surprise me if they won by like multiple scores but like I said, that the injuries at some point are going to catch up with them. You can't lose a a at least a starter every week for the first five weeks and just like, yeah, playing our best football. Like eventually in the NFL, that's going to catch up with you. Right. And I, I think it's pretty clear too that like I mean, with Kansas City coming to Levi Stadium the week after, you just you would feel so much better being four and two going into that game than you would yes. three and three. Yes. And because got- even, <laughs> even if, you know, if you're three and three and the chiefs are coming, it's like, man, now they're going to be under 500. But if you're, you know, if you win this game, you're four and two, four and three doesn't feel nearly as bad. If you lose to Kansas right. city, than you would, if you're three and four. Yeah. And there's a chance, there's a chance that let let's say they they win this one, lose to Kansas City, and then beat the Rams. You're going into the buy at five and three, and you'd feel pretty good about that, given the losses that you had and the fact that you lost your starting quarterback, you lost your left tackle, you lost a starting corner, you've lost a starting linebacker, and it puts you in a spot where after the buy you have to go like five and four to make the playoffs, right? And that's that's, I mean, yeah, it's that, a big game. It's a it big is, game. It is. It's not a. It, I don't want to call it a must win, but when you look at their schedule, they're probably they're favored by five and a half points. They're not going to be favored by this many again, probably until Christmas Eve when they play Washington. Let's see, shall we, buddy? I went through it. Uh... Rams, they're on the road. Seahawks, they're on the road on a Thursday night. Yeah, no, you're. I think you're right. Maybe New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans. The New Orleans is a hard baby. I could see them being six point favorites in New Orleans in a few weeks. But yeah, even still, that's like if that were, I don't know, like four, four and a half. They're two and three. They got Taysom Hill. <laughs> what do they? Yeah. I so I, I just they when you when you especially with these next three. I know I know they own the Rams, but going on the road to L.A. That's not going to be a super easy game, I don't think. 
with the Chiefs and then the Chargers after the bye. Like you got it when you're playing a team like Atlanta, who is I think Atlanta is middle of the pack. They're going to pick like 16th this year in the draft. And you just if you're a Super Bowl team, if you're a playoff team, if you're a team that's going to win the NFC West, you have to win. You have you have to win this game. Taysom Hill scored five touchdowns. Yeah, man. <laughs> Did Sorry. you know he is the number three tight end in fantasy right now? No way. Yes. He's t- tight end eligible? Correct. He's caught one pass. Yep. Tight end eligible, though. Wow. That's that's the, the pop passes, passing yards of fantasy football stats. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's not lighting it up? Kyle Pitts. Oh, I thought you were going to say George Kittle. Must be a well, wow, him, shots oh, fired. Him, I mean, him too, but no, um, don't give fantasy points for blocking. Let's do the pick six. Yeah, let's do it. Six pack. Sorry, Cooper's six pack. Six, Cooper's six pack. Formerly known as a pick six. Tyler, Tyler, leave in. Shout out, Tyler. Leave in the part where Chris called it the pick six. <laughs> Right, how many six. nope six back how many media segments whether they're written or in podcast form who covering football do are, like exist called pick six because i feel like there are millions yeah or at least thousands or hundreds but i'm lots. gonna go thousands okay of all the radio shows and podcasts out there there's probably a podcast called pick six right and it's like we six pick points. six things that right. we yeah, like yeah. in the NFL this week. Yeah, exactly. Number one, Bailey Zappi. What a story. <laughs> Cooper six back. Who goes first? You see Bill Belichick didn't commit to Mac Jones when Jones wow. is healthy. Wow, that's interesting. He's trying to Drew Bledsoe Mac Jones. Unbelievable shit from Double Bs. Uh, is it you went first? Two weeks ago, I was looking through my notes earlier and I honestly couldn't find what I think you went first last week. Did I? Should we? Why don't you go first since you won? You have the tea box. Okay, cool. That never happens to me in real life. So this is great. I like this. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, get the, you get the honors. I'm trying to look. Can't wait to golf at the end of a couple weeks. So, so here we go. Yeah, I had first pick last time. You get first pick. But also I won, so that's why I'm first on the tee box. Yeah. I figured out eh, we'll talk later. All right. I'm gonna pick Jeff Wilson Jr. Okay. Number one. The Falcons can't stop the run. And I was looking over Jeff Wilson Jr.'s numbers, and I knew he'd been better this year, but he's averaging over five yards a carry right now in his last four games. 4.7, 6.3, 4. 4.1, and 7.1 on 18 carries, 12, 18, and 17. I guess touchdowns in back-to-back games. Um, he's caught eight passes this year for for 70 yards. He hasn't punched one into the end zone yet uh, in the air, but I think that the Niners' run game or their backfield is going to kind of have a resurgence now with Tevin Coleman back and being productive like he was last week. Revenge I, game possibility I, for Tevin Coleman. That's very true. Ty Davis Price. Um, back in the mix, it, it looks like after a high ankle sprain in week two. So that's another wrinkle that they can throw at Atlanta. I, I despite Garoppolo's performance last week and despite my thought that maybe they they come out throwing again, it would not surprise me that the Niners want to go in and run it 45 times in this game. And if they're doing that, I think it's going to be a big game from Jeff Wilson Jr. I like it. Thanks. I don't have any any other analysis. I think you nailed it. Um, we know how much the 49ers like to run the ball. And yeah. Jeff Wilson Jr. is playing well. Like it just tracks, right? It just <laughs> tracks. Okay. It just tracks. Okay. You know who loves to throw over the middle of the field? Either you know, between 10 and 20 yards or even 10 yards or less. Who's that, Chris? Marcus Mariota. Oh, I was going to say Jimmy Garoppolo. You got me. <laughs> um, 
Marcus Mariota has three interceptions over the middle of the field about the area where Fred Warner is going to roam for most of Sunday. So I'm going to make a super bold prediction and say that Fred Warner gets an interception. Um, And I've talked about Fred Warner and just how his mental preparation and just knowledge of opponents offenses and being able to predict what they're going to run before they run it based on alignment and the fact that he's the play caller or relaying the play calls and making any adjustments on the fly before the snap. And it's just generally always in the right spot. Um, I think Fred Warner is probably having an all pro season at this point. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Fred Warner as my first pick. I'm not going to overthink this. And I have a sneaking suspicion that he's going to have an interception against the Falcons. I love that. I love the choice. And I think Fred Warner could be a pick every single week. He and... could. It's relatively chalk. But no, I always... I'm, not, I'm not knocking it at all. I, I always. I, it's a good choice. I always try to find a guy that we're going to like, who was one of the stories of the game, good or bad? Yeah. Me, well, it's Fred and, Warner this week. Well, and you talked about it earlier. If the Niners are down at least Nick Bosa and possibly Samson Ebicom, if if that's the case, it's going to require Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner to be very good. I they they might be responsible for keeping a run to three or four yards instead of thirty plus. <laughs> Best so, linebacker duo in the league. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not I don't I'm not dialed into linebacking cores around this league, but I don't know how close it is. Like how many linebackers are on Fred Warner's level, just to start with. Yeah, not many. Right. And then Dre Greenlaw is good. Like he's a good starting caliber NFL linebacker. As good so. as Fred Warner is, I think Dre Greenlaw has led the team in tackles most games this season. Yeah, dude, he had that bad first game and then just lit his air on fire. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. A little um, out of control at times, but anyway. Yeah, sometimes. But my second pick, we mentioned Nick Bosa being out earlier. Charles Omenahu has been really good the last couple of weeks, and I think he's going to need to be excellent again on Sunday, either against the run and uh, rushing the passer. Rushing the passer the last couple of weeks, 14 pressures in the last three weeks with a couple of sacks with six hurries. He's been really good. That's rushing from the inside, rushing from the outside. I think he's going to do both again on Sunday. And if Nick Bosa is not playing, as good as their linebackers are, as good as their secondary is, they are built front to back. This this very, very good, excellent defense is spearheaded by their defensive front. And somebody needs to step up with Nick Bosa out, and I think it's going to be a minute. Good pick. I like it a lot. Um, I think one point that's worth talking about uh, briefly is like, you know, there whenever the draft comes or even free agency or whatever the offseason and a team adds players at a position that's already a strength. People are like, oh, we, you know, they should have gotten a safety or whatever. Like they didn't need another defensive lineman. Like if like talking about the draft for the 49ers in particular, when they draft defensive linemen every year, it's like, no, this is their strength and they want to make sure it's a strength kind of no matter what, like if they're dealing with injuries. And like being able to trade for Omenahu for what was a six round pick from Houston or two Houston. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it, it was a day late day three pick kind of non inconsequential to get like a productive pass rusher is a huge win, but it's why in situations like this, when you are losing defensive lineman to injury, you want to keep adding that strength. So you don't adding to that strength. So you don't have to change the way you play when you deal with it. So that's why yes. I never have a problem with a team in the draft or free agency and being like, nope, we're going to get another defensive lineman because we we just have to have this as a strength no matter what injuries we deal with. Anyway. Right, and rushing the passer is also super important. So having a bunch of guys who can do it well is good. Right. Yep. Anyway, um, all right. I think, wow, am I just going to go go at your neck with this next one? I'm going to do it. Robbie Gold. <laughs> no, I learned my lesson last week. Um, Drake Jackson. Oh, speaking of, wow, 
just going wow. just going right at your neck with the wow. with the Charles Amenahu pick. Okay. Go on Drake Jackson. Um for all it, the reasons that I picked Charles Amenahu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving well, on. I mean it's 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 an opportunity for him potentially to get 50 snaps for the first time in his career. And I think life as a defensive player, when that's your role is a hell of a lot different than when you're like a situational guy who's getting 15 to 20 snaps. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, they invested a second round pick in him because they think he's going to be an every down starter. You have Sanson Abukam dealing with an Achilles issue, which is scary as hell to me, particularly with the game on turf coming up. I think the fact that he returned to practice Thursday I mean, we talked about the 49ers and their propensity to bring guys back off injuries too soon. I'm circling Samson Ebucam this week and being like, man, if anything happens to his Achilles on that turf, we're going to look back and be like, that was insane that he had an Achilles issue in practice and then got hurt on turf the week going in. So anyway, um, Drake Jackson could play a lot with Ebucam potentially mm-hmm. limited by the injury. Um, and so I think he's going to be a really important piece for the defense because they're missing so many other pass rushers, potentially with Eric Armstead out with Nick Bosa, potentially out, um, Javon Kinlaw matters obviously. And, uh, for the defense to play well, I think it's going to need a good game from Drake Jackson. I like it. Fifth pick, my final pick. I think Daniel Brunskill is going to start. And you're shaking your head. No, make your point. Grady Jarrett is hella freaking good at football. Correct. And he could wreck the game for the 49ers. Like I said, we saw him do it in 2019. And he not just as a pass rusher, he could wreck the running game. And we we've seen the 49ers. They need to get into most of the time they typically need to get into second and short and that's when their offense is going to really help and that's most offenses but particularly the 49ers so if they're unable to get anything going on the ground on first down and they are second and long third and long all game like that's just not that's not going to work and i think having a player with 33 who started 33 games in a row prior to this season. I think having him in against Grady Jarrett, especially since when Brunskill has played, he played a little bit against the Rams and then he played, uh, I think 26 snaps at right guard last week. Also seven at left guard. I just, in that, in that sample, that, that relatively small sample, he's been very good as a pass blocker. And I think that the Niners would, potentially prioritize that especially if um especially if he doesn't start i could see him playing in the game and making an impact just like i said just on grady jarrett who's atlanta's either first or second best defensive player aaron banks did show up on the injury report this week with a knee injury after exiting the game in carolina so your point is well taken. The reason why I was shaking my head initially, because the first thing that popped in my head was, oh, no, this is another Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason, pick. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you I, forgot, I picked Jordan Mason in a game where he played zero offensive snaps. Go on. <laughs> he was strong on special teams, though. So there's a certain amount of risk that comes when you take a guy that you're not sure is going to start. Totally. My only thing. But given that Brunskill has rotated at right guard and did play left guard when um, presumably Banks suffered his knee injury coming out of that game. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. And your Grady Jarrett point is a, is a good one because he's really probably the guy Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff circled when they watched the tape on Monday and Tuesday. Well, and I'm pretty, sure Grady, Jarrett, I'm, I'm pretty sure Grady Jarrett was there when Shanahan was. Yeah, true. So very familiar. Um, okay, last pick. I think I should go offense because I think you should go special teams. You think I should go special teams? Just... Jordan Mason. <laughs> okay, how about this? I will go Ray Ray McLeod. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. 
Ray Ray McLeod. If he fumbles or turns the ball over, it's going to be, it has potential to be one of those games that we talked about where the Niners are just tricking it off and playing with their food and allowing the Falcons to stay in it. Yeah. And if he does that, then that's going to have a dramatic impact on the game. The Falcons typically play close games no matter who they play. Um, Ray Ray McLeod fumbling a punt in his own territory or a kickoff, obviously likely in his own territory, could potentially allow the Falcons to hang around and make the game way more close than it probably should be. If he doesn't do that and plays a clean game, there's a very good possibility that the 49ers roll because they're not turning the ball over in their own territory, right? Like if you were... yeah. If you were to look at this game and say, what's the most likely way the 49ers turn the ball over in their own territory? You would say a Jimmy Garoppolo interception or Ray Ray McLeod fumble, right? Yes. So since we have to commit to the bit of never picking Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) in our Cooperage six-pack, despite him obviously being super important, but we talk about him plenty. So we don't like that's, need to reanalyze. That's, right. That's the thing is like Jimmy, the quarterback is important in all of the games. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We talk about is Jimmy. We're going to affect this one. You think? Yeah. Nah. We talk about Jimmy a lot. So I, I like, I'm all in on our commitment to the bit of not including Jimmy in the Cooperage six pack. Um, but that said, if Ray Ray McLeod does not turn the ball over, I like the 49ers chances a lot more. Um, and I think there's a substantial chance that they trick the game off if he does fumble once or twice, which could happen because he's dropped a bunch already and he had a history of fumbles it's, with the Steelers. It is unbelievable how every play it feels like he's going to drop the football. And he's Maybe like dynamic. Can... He's a dynamic returner. He's had some really nice returns, but it's yes. just like, even even the one it was it the Rams that he almost broke one for a touchdown. He's had a few where it felt like if he made one extra guy miss, it would have gone for a big yardage. I think it was the Rams, and the entire time he's running, all I could think of was like he's kind of holding that ball out. Ball's a little far away from his body. Niners special uh, teams needs to be more <laughs> attentive to the details. I would say. Do you think Richard Hightower is looking at the Niners special teams DVOA ranking and just laughing quietly to himself? <laughs> just checking out the the advanced metrics on football outsiders in his spare time do you think he subscribes do you like or do you think football coaches <laughs> get like free access like through their team i'm guessing teams get i i teams probably have all of this data and more at their disposal at all times where does chicago rank in special teams dvoa I haven't been paying super close attention to the advanced medis on Chicago special teams. So you'll have to tell me. Wow. Okay. Thought I had a prepared podcast partner. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Fourth. Chicago's fourth in special teams DVOA. And the Niners are 28th, 29th. 29th. Did Kyle Shanahan make a mistake firing Richard Hightower? Your thoughts? Richard Hightower, former Niners special teams coordinator, now with Chicago in the same position. Richard Hightower, who was good in exactly, or whose special teams was good in exactly one game last year. Biggest game of the year to that point? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure was. Um, Yeah. And they they were good in the only game they played against the special teams unit, worse than theirs. Yeah. That's wild. That is really wild. Um, Hey, the Bears are wearing orange helmets tonight. Yeah, I'm out. I wanted to hate them, but they look kind of sick. I'm out. That's fair. That's Bears fine. have classic uniforms. Like, how would you feel if the Niners wore red helmets one day? Ew. Why would they do that? That's how I yeah. feel about the Bears yeah. having anything but those blue helmets. Okay. I don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. I don't love it. We could probably see him. I haven't turned the TV on for... Thursday night football, but um oh you're okay. Yeah, that's Justin Fields in an orange helmet. It, I, I I'm not a huge no, it's fine. Some of these teams, man, with their uniforms, just Arizona, can we please just not just not have those god awful uniforms? I love it. My favorite bad. my favorite thing about the Cardinals black helmets 
is that they I guess have some like red flecks in them. Like red like speckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only you can't see them. So every time someone talks about them, they have to describe the speckles to you because you can't see them. Right. Like the light has to hit a certain way. Right. Or something. Yeah. Really cool. So you think they're just black, but actually there's a red. Spe- you have to look really close. Okay. Oh, Hold on. Cooper's six pack. You went Jeff Wilson Jr. I went oh, Fred yeah, Warner. Jeez, you went Charles right. Amenahu. I went Drake Jackson. You went Danny Brunskill. Mm-hmm. Could make or break your week. Sure and I could. went Ray Ray McLeod, given that he may or may not fumble and it may or may not tell the story of the game. Um, <laughs> I like that. I'm going to say I'm taking Ty Davis price. He may or may not fumble. <laughs> he doesn't have a history of fumbling every, every game feels no, like Chris, he doesn't have any history. Yeah. Fair. Um, uniforms, other bad ones. Um, <laughs> other bad uniform tape. Like, uh, hold on. The, ra- the Rams, the Rams are doing too much. Why the bone? Yeah, the bone's bad. Bone I'm out. Bone. You know what I'm out on? And this might be way too niche of a uniform take. If, if 49ers portion of this pod is over, you can turn it off now. Yeah, you, you can turn it off. I don't like great review unless they're like wearing all whites and like white socks or whatever. I do not like when the socks are monotone and the same color as the pants. Right. So the Jets have been wearing like white uniforms, black pants and black socks. I think the white uniforms and the black pants looks cool. But the black socks makes it look like they're wearing yoga pants. Right. With pads in them. And it's like, all right, like those, you know, it like just why not go green socks? Sure. What's wrong with the green socks? The green and white socks. I like the two tone socks, too, more than just the one solid color. Anyway, that's the extent of my uniform take for today. I think pass rushers that wear number five look great. I'm big on the single digit pass rusher. What about like. I'm trying to think of other bad NFL uniforms. I can't think of there aren't really many bad ones right now. I would say yeah, Arizona done a really nice job. Arizona needs to modernize theirs. What are they? They're early 2000s, like awful. They're they're uniforms like, I would have created in Madden when they first made the create a uniform feature. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, piping, paneling, multiple colors. I'm just all the way out on teams that don't have black as one of their colors having black uniforms. And Cardinals kind of have some black. They you typically mean like, wear like white helmets. One of their primary and and oh, you yeah. know who has bad uniforms are the Titans. Yeah, I don't hate them, but like, what you had a white helmet, it looked sick. Why would you ever go away from it? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I like the the Eddie George style uniforms. Those are cool. I do. Um, bad uniforms. Bad uniforms. Yeah, Nike's feels like the, te- done feels a like good the job. Texans need an update. Uh, the also, Falcons, the, I don't, also the Bron- the Broncos. I think the Broncos need an update. Are the Falcons going with their throwbacks on Sunday? Yes. Are they? I'm very excited for them. Yeah. They are. Yes. That's good news. Falcons throwback uniforms are elite. Those are great uniforms. They're very those Jamal Anderson era black uniforms. I'm in. Ooh, red helmets too. Are they going the red helmets with the yeah, black? I think so. Okay. I like their chances Very better dope. at upsetting the Niners now. <laughs> Very dope. Yeah. Big fan. Um, Their new ones. Eh, I don't know. They're fine. They're no, nah, they're doing too much. It's a solid sock team. They'll wear black pants with black solid socks. They don't do the two tone socks. What's wrong with the two tone socks? I think like the Browns and the Chiefs. I think the Browns did a great job. The Browns color rush, the all brown joints are very good. I but think. like the socks with like the cool kind of unique stripes on them. Mm-hmm. Give me those 10 oh, times right. out of 10 over the solid color socks. Yeah. Like I still don't understand why the 49ers don't have any striped socks. Seahawks have bad uniforms. That's a controversial one. I don't know if I agree. I do think they're all blue joints are overrated. Yeah, it's a weird blue. I don't know. I just don't. I think I the know. blue with the gray pants looks way better. And I do think they're all grays that they wear for road games sometimes are pretty fly. Okay. I'm just out on like all the weird paneling that the Cardinals have, like down the sides and in the yeah, pits right. and like all the like that stuff's dumb. Like the, the, the Vikings did it right. The Vikings had similar uniforms, and then they were like, hey, our classic uniforms are sick. We're just gonna go back to those. Yeah, let's have Different like a more numbers. modern version of those. Yeah. Like the Niners aesthetic is 
is almost perfect. Like I would, I would argue if the Niners had striped socks, their aesthetic would be the best in the league. Sure. It's just my two cents. Totally. The red, the red and gold just pops. Doesn't it? Very, yes. It's still good. And I was thinking about it the other day. Well, I, last Sunday when they wore their reds in Carolina, I love the Niners road uniforms. The white against the gold pants looks so good. And it's unique too, because it's like it's gold, but it's also kind of khaki-ish. Yeah, right. But it I don't know. There's something about it. Yeah, I'm with you. And I do think the three stripes on the jerseys this year is an upgrade over the two. I agree. <laughs> too bad they don't have matching stripe socks, but wow. <laughs> Big sock guy. Yeah. I'll hit up Al Guido and you know, tell him. Yeah. Ow. Let him know. Fix his sock situation, bro. All right. Meanwhile, the Golden State Warriors are trying to fix their own sock situation. Hey, oh. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. Subscribe, rate, and review. Shout out to Cooperage Brewing, sponsor of the pod, cooperagebrewing.com. And all their beers are delicious. Order some, but make sure you're of age 21 and up. Yeah. And in the state of California. Fly up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.